On this episode of Bench Warming Podcast, I touch on Robert Kraft's adventure at the day spa. I also touch on some moves that have happened in the NFL offseason or could potentially happen in the upcoming weeks. Then I end on what the signings of Bryce Harper and Manny Machado could mean for the future of the MLB. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, and somebody roll the new intro music. Welcome back to Benchwarming Podcast. It's Joe. I'm back on my two-week schedule, just like I told you I was going to be. Hopefully, I get to stay on the schedule a little bit longer. Honestly, I just don't have a whole lot of time to do the editing and everything that goes on behind the scenes that you guys don't necessarily have to see. So hopefully, you guys will get used to this. Hopefully, I can stay on it. Before I go any further, I do want to say shout out to Cole Blankenbecker. He's a friend that I have from back home who is pretty good at making some beats and he put together that new intro song that you guys heard at the beginning of this podcast. So thanks Cole. We enjoy it and hopefully we can keep working with you in the future. So now let's just kind of jump into things. As you're going to be able to tell by this uh, title of the podcast here, first thing I want to talk about is Robert Kraft. What are you doing man? What is going on in your head? You just won a Super Bowl and then you get busted soliciting a prostitute. And get this, there are Patriot fans who are actually trying to say and support him and go, he's been through a lot, he lost his wife, and he just won a Super Bowl, and he's done all this great stuff with the Patriots, just let him have it. I'm sorry, if that was a regular person, not a single person would be saying that, they would be saying lock him up, find him, do whatever you need to. But because he is Robert Kraft, you know, he is their king over there in New England land, they just they just want to let it go, like it, it makes no sense. I don't understand it. I don't get why you are out here like trying to justify this at all. You should be ashamed of yourself, Robert Kraft. And quite frankly, I mean, I don't know what they can do from the legal standpoint as far as fining and going to jail. I know that he can get some like he can get in trouble for that. The NFL, however, can only fine him up to like 500 some odd thousand dollars. I'm not sure what the exact price is, but for the fan, it's the equivalent of about, what was it, about $3 for a fan. So they're finding him about $3 if they find him the full amount. You can't even be serious. Someone needs to do something. The Pats finally win a Super Bowl and there's no real question behind them winning the Super Bowl. There's no, you know, issue behind it for the first time since the early 2000s. And then Robert Kraft pulls this. Come on, man. You couldn't have just kept it in your pants for just a little bit longer and let everything subside and the new year for the NFL begin. You had to go and get in trouble. He wasn't going to Disney World. He was going to the day spa. Come on now. Oh, man. What is going on? As for the new NFL year, you know, we are taking a step back and looking at it. It starts March 13th. So next week, we'll see the official start of the new NFL year. You know, there's some interesting things that we've heard over the past couple days that are going to happen or have happened. And, you know, one of them does include, we found out tonight, this is, I'm recording this on March 5th, we found out tonight that the Ravens are releasing Eric Weddle. Not really sure what's going on in their mind there, but they broke that news today. And, I mean, as someone that was so important to that defense when he was out there and really played a pivotal role for them to just go out and cut him. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to a lot of people, but you know, here they go deciding to do that. 
That's gonna it's gonna be really interesting to see the Ravens next year without Weddle on that defense. It's not that I don't think they're gonna be able to win or anything like that, but it's gonna be really interesting to see who steps up in that position and kind of takes that leadership role and can perform like that. In other news, the Cowboys placed a franchise tag on Demarcus Lawrence. I kind of expected it. You know, there weren't really a whole lot of contract talks going on there. And really the first couple of years of his career, Demarcus Lawrence really wasn't a standout player. It wasn't until the 2000, I believe, 17 season that he actually had his first real breakout campaign. We obviously see how good he is and how important he is to that defense now. So good move for them. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what kind of goes on from here with this franchise tag and how they go about signing him to a long deal or if they're just going to kind of let him go if they can't find anything that makes both sides happy. Other things that we see, the Flacco trade should become official once New Year starts. No one really expects that to kind of go south or anything like that. That should go as planned in which Flacco gets traded to the Broncos and it's expected to be for... uh, you know, third or fourth rounder, maybe kind of a late round draft pick, mid to late round. You know, you think you should be able to get more out of Flacco considering he has been a starter in his career and everything, but take a look back at it and he's not been truly elite. So it kind of depletes his trade value in the first place and then he loses his starting job. So they really didn't have a whole lot of pull with this trade they couldn't be like oh we're just gonna hold on to him and let him be our starting quarterback because everyone knows that that's not going to be the case this upcoming year so that that trade will become official at the start of the new year also we can take a look at Foles he will be a free agent this offseason the Eagles did kind of the right move in not signing him just to be a backup or franchising him or anything like that I appreciate the move I really want to see what Foles can do in another area with different surroundings and different players likely he's going to be headed south and going to Jacksonville is what everyone seems to think I think it'll be an interesting move unfortunately for him I don't think that he's going to have the pieces around him to succeed down there that's just that I don't I don't think that outside of Leonard Fournette anyone on that offense really has any firepower to do anything if D.D. Westbrook has a good quarterback, he might be able to transform into something useful. But I mean, if you take a step back and look at it, who do they really have besides D.D. Westbrook? They had Dante Moncrief, but he's gone. They have Keelan Cole, who I think is just a flash in the pan. One big play, good play every year, maybe two or three at max. But he's not going to go out there and be your number one receiver or anything outstanding so it's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens there without a serious talent around Foles he didn't really have that many weapons when he was in Philadelphia but he did have two solid weapons in uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz so that's a huge thing to see kind of how it goes for him when he is faced with this lack of talent like we did see when he played in St. Louis for the Rams. You know, he wasn't surrounded by talent, and he really didn't do well. Then he gets put in an area like Philly where he does have some talent around him, he does have a good team around him, and he succeeds. So it's going to be interesting to see if he was able to learn anything from his time in Philadelphia that he'll be able to take with him into his next venture, wherever that may be, whether it's Jacksonville or some other team. 
and just kind of see how he plays there. The last thing I really want to talk about heading into the new year for the NFL and draft day is what's going to happen at number one. I am so intrigued by this pick because it seems like everything is pointing to the Cardinals taking Kyler Murray at number one. If you take a look back at it, Cliff Kingsbury, who is now the head coach for the Cardinals, recruited Murray when he was coming out of high school. He recruited him to play football at uh, Texas Tech. Didn't get him. He didn't go there. He decided to go somewhere else. Now all of a sudden, fast forward a couple years, here we sit, Cliff Kingsbury, head coach, and here comes Kyler Murray. In my opinion, the best quarterback at all around in the draft. He can run. He can throw pretty accurately. I mean, he looks like a center fielder when he's out there. I think they've got to trade Rosen. I mean, I think that that is the obvious sight here. I don't think Rosen is going to be able to lead that team to do anything anytime soon. That's not to say that Rosen's not talented. I just don't think that Rosen has the talent that's going to be useful in the kind of offensive scheme that Kingsbury is going to want to run as well as just the offensive support cast that he has. I don't think that Rosen's going to be good in that. I think that what they need to do is they need to trade him and take Murray number one. I'm, there's not really going to be any chance like this again for the Cardinals for quite some time just because it's not every day that you hire a coach who recruited a player coming out of high school. And if we're being honest, I mean, we kind of have heard it from the beginning that Cliff Kingsbury kind of has a man crush on Kyler Murray. So I think that the obvious point right now is for the Cardinals to trade Rosen, bring in Murray, and see what they can do from there. I think that Rosen has the potential to succeed, but he needs to be in a different area. He needs to be on a different team that has a better fit for him. And I think that a few teams that would be interesting to see him traded to, one team that just rings a bell just because they don't have anyone right now is Washington. Alex Smith got hurt last year, and right now the starting quarterback penciled in is Colt McCoy. Hello, I didn't even know Colt McCoy was still playing football until this year when Alex Smith got hurt. So that could be one potential destination. Potential destination number two, I don't really see this one happening just because of where they're at in their franchise, and that's Miami. I would think it'd be interesting to see kind of how Rosen steps in there with Tannehill, and he has a little bit of competition now and everything. So that would be a little bit interesting, but I don't necessarily see that happening just because I think that the Dolphins are going to kind of hold off, maybe try and ride Tannehill out at least one or two more years before they cut him. If not, they're going to ride Tannehill out to the number one or number two pick and then pick the next best, which is probably going to be the quarterback coming out of Oregon. Can't think of his first name. His last name's Gilbert, I believe. You know, I think that that might be their plan right now. Not not really sure what's going to happen, but I do think that, that would be the ideal situation for Miami. Two other interesting destinations would be Pittsburgh and New England. And I know what you're saying. Oh, but they have Big Ben and they have Tom Brady. Big Ben has been contemplating retirement. He's 37. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think he's all that great anymore. I mean, he did post his first 5,000-yard season in his career last year. That's huge. But, I mean, this team is falling apart around him. I think it's time potentially to bring in someone new and see what he can do coming up. He wouldn't necessarily be a starter anytime soon, but it would be huge to kind of have him sit behind a good veteran quarterback like Big Ben and just kind of develop. And that's kind of the same thing with my New England thought. Brady's going to be 42, 43, one of those two. He's not going to be able to play forever. There's no way he can play forever. He is not bionic. He is not this or that. He has to be coming close to the end of his career. 
And what better way to transition? You know, Jimmy G's gone from there. They don't have anyone. Right now, Brian Hoyer is their backup quarterback. Bringing in someone like Rosen would be huge because it'd be interesting to see how he develops behind someone like Brady. And I think that that offensive scheme that they have there really fits Rosen's style of play better. I think that the kind of shorter passes, a little bit more solid receiver play that he would have around him, even though they're not always great receivers, they are solid. And that's not to say that Rosen doesn't have that around him right now. It's just a different level because right now he's just really got Larry Fitzgerald. But going to New England, he would be able to sit behind Brady for a little bit. He would be able to get into that system, which fits him better. And, you know, it kind of might be the perfect thing for New England is have him come in, sit behind Brady for another year or two. When Brady's finally done, boom, you get a ride right into the sunset again for Brady going off as a Super Bowl champion or whatever he ends up deciding to go for his career. And then all of a sudden you have this new guy coming in who's learned the system, who's spent time around the team and everything, and just kind of fits. So those are my kind of thoughts. I think that at this point it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when the Cardinals trade Rosen to get Murray. Who knows? Excited for draft day. Some really interesting prospects coming up. Can't wait to see it. That's about all I've got for the NFL. It's at the beginning of the offseason, you know, we've not really seen the start of the new NFL year, so we've not seen a whole lot of big moves. I think that there are going to be some interesting moves coming along once this new year does start. But keep your eyes open on this draft, keep your eyes open on the Rosen trade, and just some interesting things that could be happening around the league. Hopefully I'll get around to posting something a little bit more draft-related closer to time, but I'm going to transfer into something that I really don't typically do that much, and that's talk about the NBA. And I don't really want to talk about it in detail. I just want to talk about one thing that is driving me crazy. People are starting to say that LeBron needs to be benched. What? Who in their right mind would bench LeBron? I understand that at this point, it's looking like they're on the outside looking in and they probably won't get in the playoffs if we're all being honest. I'm not saying you need to keep LeBron in because he offers you, you know, a chance at the playoffs. I'm saying, how can you theoretically say in any right sense of the mind to shut down one of the best players to ever play the game, especially when you're paying him as much money as you are? Should he maybe not play as many minutes? Yes, I'd cut down his minutes. You know, see what you have behind him going into next year. See who you can cut, who you can, who you can kind of mold into getting into this better team next year, potentially bringing in some better talent along with these other guys and see what you have. But you can't just bench the guy. Not with as much talent and everything else that he has. He needs to be out there playing at least a little bit each night. You cannot seriously say that the best option for that franchise over the next couple years while LeBron is there is to bench him now. Reduce his minutes. Figure out who you got behind him. But you can't bench the guy. That is just insane. That is crazy. And if they do it, I will not understand basketball even more than I already don't. Like I said, if you need to reduce his minutes to keep him healthy, to, you know, prepare him for next year and everything, okay, do that. But this idea to just completely shut him down for the rest of the season makes no sense to me. Don't play him 40 minutes a night. Instead, play him 25 minutes a night. Something. Make more sense of it other than just completely shutting him down and letting him sit for the next year. I don't really have much else to say about the NBA because I don't really watch it a whole lot. I'm much more into college basketball. So that's really all I'm going to say about the NBA. I can't wait for March Madness to start. I'm going to say this now. I was going to save it till the end, but be on the lookout for some 
news coming out on the Instagram page. I'm trying to set up a bracket challenge for the NCAA tournament. Kind of trying to wait a little bit because there's no point in setting it up right now since nothing's actually going on. But do watch out. I am going to get that around. I am going to put that out. And I want as many people to join it. Hopefully you guys will see it, put in a bracket, you know, share it with your friends and everyone. Share it with anyone that just wants to put together a bracket. You know, this year we're not having any prizes, but maybe next year if we can continue to grow like we have been, we can put some prizes for it. Just be on the lookout for that. I'm going to be posting some stuff about that in the future once I actually get everything set up. And before I go into my last segment, I do have one quick thing I want you guys to hear. So I'm going to go ahead and roll this ad. I really do hope you guys consider at least looking into starting your own podcast or starting something with your friends, whether it's with your friends or alone. So now I'm going to go ahead and slide into our last segment here we sit. This I, I'm recording this, like I said, on March 5th. It's probably going to go out on March 8th at, you know, prime time. Not really sure when I'm going to release it time-wise, but it's going to go out on March 8th. We're less than a month away from the start of the MLB season. I'm so excited. I can't wait for the season. I hate time when baseball's not around, even though I love football. My favorite period of the year is that little time slot where Baseball's out there, football's out there, it's just, it's fantastic, I love it. But here we sit, we finally have some good news. A little bit over a month from the season, we saw Machado get signed by the Padres, 10 years, $300 million. Holy cow, what a deal. The Padres are really starting to shell out the money. Hopefully their farm system is as good as everyone thinks it is. We see this huge 10-year deal, a lot of money in it. Machado does have an opt-out after the fifth year. And it's like, okay, that's going to be the deal of the offseason. No one's going to top that. Like, Harper's going to be close to that, but he might top it by a little bit. Here comes Harper just swinging everything around. Drops a 13-year, $330 million deal with the Phillies. And just to show you, first off, how crazy this old deal was, even after Harper's contract is over, the Mets are still going to be paying Bobby Vanilla. Just wanted to throw that in there. Just just a little tidbit of information. However, let's get back to current baseball and things that actually matter. Machado, 10 years. Harper, 13 years. These are some massive contracts, a lot of money. Both of them, 300 million plus. I mean, that's just, that's all so ridiculous to think because these two players get that much money. And if we're being honest, there are players coming into free agency after them that are much better than them. People that we have to look out for that are going to be going into free agency include Mike Trout, Mookie Betts is going to be going in, Javi Baez and Chris Bryant from the Cubs will be free agents at some point. And to think that these two guys got deals like this, to think that Machado was able to swing a 10-year, $300 million deal is insane. I kind of get it with the Harper deal. We have seen him kind of have ups and downs, but he has been pretty consistent until this past year. And I think a lot of what his issues were this past year were there's just not, there was nothing worth playing for for Washington. He didn't really put everything out there. And I don't think that's a smart strategy when you're going into a contract year. But obviously, if you're Bryce Harper and you do have the talent, you do have the potential, it's going to work out. You are going to get your big deal. But, I mean, that's just insane to think what this means for the future of the MLB and probably more 10 to 13-year contracts, if not more. It's insane to think that maybe one day we could see someone sign a contract that's going to keep him with one team for the entire duration of his career without having to sign another contract. But that's that's where we're looking at heading at some point in the future if these deals keep stacking up like this. And then you take a step back and you look at those two deals, but then you look at 
people that are still unsigned. Dallas Keuchel's not signed. Craig Kimbrell's not signed. Adam Jones is still unsigned. You know, Evan Gaddis was a DH for the Astros and played well. He's still unsigned. How, I mean, what does this mean for the future when you have mega stars that are getting these big contracts, but then you have your average to mediocre players who, you know, and these guys aren't even that. Like Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell, and Adam Jones have all at some point in their career been fantastic and been at the top of their positions. Dallas Keuchel has won a uh, Cy Young Award. Craig Kimbrell is a beast out of the bullpen still. Like, nothing's changed about that. And Adam Jones, while he is getting older, has posted a lot of good seasons. So how how is this going to show for the future when you have your lower-tier top players not being able to get big deals because teams are going out and spending $300, million, $500 million on 10-year contracts, 13-year contracts for players that at the end of the contract... These players may not even be worth as much money as they're getting. I don't know what these players are going to look like at the end of their contracts. Manny Machado could be interesting. But you take a step back and, I mean, what does this mean for the future in terms of contracts and things like that? I think that it means that at some point we are going to have to see a change in things like luxury tax. If a team goes out and busts this much money on one player, they're not going to have enough money to go out and sign all these other players. And I think that something has to change when it comes to that luxury tax limit that's going to allow teams to actually want to go out and spend more money and not worry about getting that luxury tax issue. Maybe that's limiting whatever happens with the luxury tax, like limiting the amount that they have to pay out, or if it's actually raising that threshold for the luxury tax. But we sit back and we see complaints and the growing tensions between the MLB and the Players Association, and really what I see as a looming lockout, especially with all the changes that they're trying to make. And then you see these big contracts. I don't think that these contracts do anything to help this growing tension. I think if anything, it makes it more, it makes it tougher. And I don't, I don't think it makes it tougher on the players side. I think the players want to see more contracts like this. I think the players love seeing contracts like this. I think that it becomes an issue when you have these owners and everyone who don't want to shell out that much money because you take a step back and you look at the Cubs. They have theoretically no money. But in all reality, they do have money. They make plenty of money in revenue. They do all this stuff. The owner is saying they have no money because they are pushing that luxury tax threshold. They don't want to go over that threshold. They don't want to have to be paying out certain amounts of their profits and everything because they are over that threshold. They want to make sure that everything stays in-house and everything. And by the push for these longer contracts, these more expensive contracts, means that there has to be something changed unless we want to see a lockout. Do I think that these guys deserve contracts like this? Theoretically, yes. I do think that they deserve the long contracts. To me, it's still kind of crazy that players like this get as much money as they do. But I do think that they do deserve the longer contracts. I do think that they do deserve the loyalty and everything that they get from these teams that want them. Because, I mean, these are generational talents. Bryce Harper is a generational talent. Machado had the potential to be a generational talent. He still can be, but I think he's kind of fallen off. Back in his heyday with the... Orioles, he did have some good skills. I think he's just kind of become one of those attitude players that has really fallen off my like radar with his whole complaining that he didn't want to play, you know, third base and now he's going to be playing third base. And I don't get it. I really don't. And I obviously there's a reason why I'm sitting here and I'm not on the executive board of an MLB team or playing baseball. But as someone that's able to look in from the outside and has been such a big fan of baseball, 
these contracts, I, I something has to change, whether it's the contracts or if it's the luxury tax or it's the owners being willing just to spend more money. Spend, you got to spend money to make money is what I'm always hearing. And you got to, you got to trust yourself that when you go out and you spend this money, it's going to be worth it. And something has to change. And I don't, I'm not talking rules. I'm not talking rules. Keep baseball the same for the love of everything good and holy. Keep baseball same. Quit trying to add play clocks and do this and do that. But if we want to see a continuing time of baseball, we don't want to see a lockout or something like that. There needs to be more talk. I, I do not want to see baseball locked out, but I do think that we are leaning towards a future in which they're going to see longer contracts, they're going to see higher money, and there is going to be some sort of change. And it's crazy to think that 10 years from now, at the end of Manny Machado's contract, it is going to be 2029. That's not, that doesn't even seem like that's a real year. At the end of Bryce Harper's contract, it's going to be 2032. That, that still doesn't seem like a real year. There's going to be new bats that are come out that are going to help players hit the ball even further than what they already do. There are going to be pitchers that are going to be throwing in the 110s plus if they're not careful. Like, it's insane to think that at the end of contracts like this, there's going to be such a change from when they signed it. It's crazy to look back at what it was like 10 years ago today in 2009 and the changes that have came from baseball. It's going to be interesting to see what happens I can't wait to see where these other big-name guys that haven't signed sign, and I can't wait to kind of see the start of the season. I'm really, really interested to see how the possible transition to a pitch clock works. Is it going to be good or is it going to be bad? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I did hear, I was reading an article that the MLB is teaming up with a, a league that's I, I can't remember what the league is. It's like the American East or something like that. Something weird. And it's not, I oh, it's the American League East. No, there's like a semi-pro league or something that they're teaming up with. And supposedly they are trying out electronic umpires for balls and strikes. Going to be interesting to kind of see how that step works. See if there's any kind of connection between everything. But at this point, there's not really a whole lot to talk about. It is spring training. Not a whole lot's going on right now. You know, we have the Kershaw news. He's hurt kind of out indefinitely. He threw a little bit this past week. He's starting to feel better. It's going to be interesting. It doesn't look like he's going to be there for opening day. So that's something to keep your eye out on. And on our end, keep your eye out for some more frequent posts as we get closer to baseball season. They're going to be sort of mini episodes of podcasts, about 10 to 15 minutes max. And basically, I'm just going to be going through each division, looking at the teams, looking at what we can kind of expect, uh, total win totals and everything, and then kind of laying out how I see the division. And probably I am thought about adding in one player from each division that I could see winning the MVP. Obviously, multiple divisions have more than one player that could win the MVP, but that's kind of how I'm looking at it and setting it up. I've already started some research on it. Can't wait to do it. Can't wait to put it out for you guys. Like I said numerous times, baseball is, I love baseball. It's my favorite. So I'm really trying to put more out around baseball season than I have. And hopefully with a little bit of extra time and effort, I'll be able to do that. But that's all I've got for you guys now. Thanks for listening. Share us with your mothers, brothers, sisters, cousins. Find us on Instagram, BenchwarmingPod. Email us your questions at our Gmail benchwarmingpod at gmail.com and that's really all I've got so hopefully we'll see you around next time and peace